Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Future of Flushing. I'm Vito Khaleesi. With me, Jonathan Barron. And today on the show, Ernest Dove. You can follow him on Twitter at Ernest Dove. He's a freelance content provider for Sportswire Radio. Also writes for Max Mets. If you are on Mets Twitter, I am 1,000% sure you have seen Ernest talking about Mets player development. And uh, we're happy to have him on right now and just talk some Mets player development. So, Ernest, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me and giving me another opportunity to uh, talk Mets minor leaguers and prospects like I love to do. For all those who might not be too familiar with you, let me talk a little bit about your background, how you got into scouting, and uh, or not scouting, but just following so closely the minor leagues and and why you do it when you fell in love with this. I mean, obviously, you know, first and foremost, you know, childhood Mets fan. It is what it is that comes with a bias. Uh, as far as trying to get into content, I always kind of consider myself a writer of sorts. Uh, when I was in living around Los Angeles for some years, got into stand-up comedy, don't need to get into that. But then I was actually finding my way back to Florida about 2013. So back in 2013, uh, speaking of Vegas, I was temporarily homeless of sorts in Vegas in 2013, uh, and I hit up a random email from a guy on social media and Max Metz, uh, old Mac himself, and I ended up kind of like volunteering myself, going through the process of becoming a writer for a blog on Max Metz in 2013 while I was semi-living on in someone's bed in a, in a spare room. Uh, so from 2013, started writing and blogging about the Mets, Kind of a lot more opinionated stuff, a lot Mets general. And then fast forward two years, 2015, I started uh, attending games in St. Lucie uh, for the St. Lucie Mets when they were still Florida State League, but high A. So about 2015, started seeing more games. I started focusing more and more only on minor leagues. I'm like, hey, guys, I love talking Mets all day, but Maybe my opinions can be what they are. So maybe I should focus more on information, more into the prospects and minor leaguers. I moved on to uh, the Metsmerize website uh, for some years too as well. So I kind of moved on Max Mets, Metsmerize. But this has been going on since 2013. And then from 2015 on, it's been all about the minor leagues, uh, focusing on St. Lucie, but you know, get naturally guys move up the levels. I started building relationships, you know, thankfully and much gratitude to everyone. I started building relationships over multiple years with players, friends mm-hmm. of players, families of players, and then coaches all the way up the system. So I've, I've kind of been hooked. I love the idea of supporting these guys going for their dreams, and I, I haven't stopped. I guess this would be on my 10th year, technically, in some realm being a content provider uh, about the Mets and now the minor leagues at this point uh, solely except on my some of my Twitter comments, but all information and content, pretty much I try to stick to uh, what I hopefully know in the minor leagues. So being that you've been working in this field for 10 years, specifically with the Mets, what's it been like to see the Mets player development in the previous ownership versus this ownership? I mean, there's, there's definitely been a lot of changes, a lot of differences. Uh, 
even speaking with players over the years, even to the point of players who are no longer with the organization. And they would talk about, yeah, I would walk in and in my second year, not only could there be new coaches, there's even new physical trainers and they have different philosophies. So there's been a lot going on for multiple years uh, within the Mets organization. And then when I spoke with certain people later, I talked about this on another recent show, uh, Ricky Meinhold, when I interviewed Ricky, talked to him about some stuff. And then he was around too when the Cohen was taken over and the resources just absolutely skyrocketed ever since Steve Cohen took over. And they said it was trickling down all the way to the minor leagues. And now we're looking at all of this extra state-of-the-art you know, information that I don't know how many other teams obviously may have already been doing it, but I was being told and known of the differences in all of the resources, even specifically, they say, Ernest, throughout the entire minor leagues now, we are flooded with all the resources from day one, and now we're kind of utilizing it. And even the bats and the pitchers, they're in these labs now, like learning this information, not only with the Rhapsodos in their off seasons and, you know, other trainers and other facilities they go to. Now the Mets organization is giving them all the information as well. So I've been hearing about this for the last, you know, two, two, three years or so. It's been an, an absolute influx of like a ton of information that they're trying to like, you know, gather, process, and add to everything they've been doing from before that. Since we're on the topic, I wanted to bring this up. You had yourself quite a memorable experience on opening day in Miami. Is that correct? Why don't you talk a little bit about what that story is like? Woo! So, yeah, I, um, I attended opening day at Marlins Park. Uh, I, was, I was in the seven-line army. I was amongst them, and I saw the ruckus going on <laughs> behind us. I was a bunch of rows forward i had no idea for at least an inning what was going on and it ended up being steve cohen sitting with the seven <laughs> line arc and i kind of magically found myself up a few steps 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 just trying to be a fan just a kid trying to take a photo with the man i don't know why i needed to take a selfie with the owner of the mets but that's the childhood thing coming out of me i just thought it was hilarious because i i do find them i say hey you know he's like can i have a photo he said yeah and I kind of made the comment, by the way, you know, thank you for following me on Twitter. And then he asked me who my name was. And when I said Ernest Dove, he goes, yeah, I know you. And then I, I, did, I didn't know. Someone actually filmed of him actually saying it. I think it's in the recording. I have proof. That's amazing. So he literally said, yeah, I know you. You do some good stuff. And that, that's what I also said. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, from now on, I need to stop being sarcastic. And now I got to be real. Thank you, sir. And, I just took a photo. He's like, yeah, you know, that's fine. Gee, there's always room to improve. I don't maybe he doesn't know how old I am, but he's probably like, yeah, kid, you know, stop with the sarcasm and you're doing good things. Uh, it was a it was a crazy certain amount of minutes. I'm going to hold him to the belief that he does know who I am because he does follow me on Twitter. Yeah. So I'm going to take that as like, thank you, sir, and I have proof. So let's focus on this year for a second. And, uh, well, actually, let's focus on what just happened this weekend. We're in the middle of uh, this year's draft. What's your overall impression from this Mets draft class so far? It seems like something I've been, when I've been talking to some of the Mets people about, is what they're doing again. Uh, certain player development, certain players are trying to get. To me, the first round pick, not the same player, but I'm saying it reminds me of like a Jet Williams type mm -hmm. pick. They're getting certain body types, certain athleticism, even with some of the pitching. It seems like a lot of the people on social media right now, all morning and afternoon, talking about some of the athletic type pitchers they've been drafting. 
And I think that's where they've been going uh, in the last couple of years. You have to assume that. I know prior to that, during the kind of the Brody era, they were going really top heavy, trying to go for the high overslot guys. But I think in general, because if you go back even 10 years, uh, shout out to the amateur scouting department of the Mets, because regardless of what people think about the farm system now, bottom line, the Mets have been pumping out future major leaguers for like over a decade. So, I mean, we're talking about star quality, and maybe I know in the Brody era they were shooting for it. And now I think in these in the last draft, which seems like it might be one of the most amazing drafts in a while, in small hindsight based on what's happening right now. But I like where the Mets are going, and I think, again, you always say athlete, athlete. But I know in years past, when they were getting those athletes, like a Desmond Lindsay and some mm-hmm. other guys in the past, it, it hasn't seemed to have progressed, and they've gotten to a certain point. And I just feel like right now they have those combinations of athlete slash good defense slash hit tool slash speed. I think they're having more of a combination in the last two years. Uh, to me, that might hopefully start to stand out more going forward at the upper levels. Maybe, you know, knock on wood majors. You might not necessarily see some amazing Tatises and Trouts all the time, but we may see a, actually a higher progression of players maybe based on how they seem to be drafting now, even especially two years going forward, counting the beginning of this. There's definitely some consistencies we've talked about on the nightly podcast where you see a lot of quarterbacks, you see a lot of tall pitchers and something I want to bring up that you said that there's so much talent in the Mets system right now. A lot of people last night, especially were complaining. Why didn't the Mets take a pitcher in the first round, which one you obviously you don't, you don't draft need based, you draft talent based in the first round especially. But there's so much pitching in the Mets system right now that it seems like the common fan does not realize. Yeah, I mean, obviously, too, I know I've gotten caught up on this. People get mad at me on social media. So it's like, I got to slow down. Not everyone is an insane uh, prospect-hugging minor league junkie. So, you know, that's some of the things that have been going on. It's been my opinion all over social media and on shows that, you know, there's been a lull in things the past, you know, era, they were trading so many minor leaguers, like two or three at a time, and they might have been acquiring fourth and fifth outfielders, rental bats, uh, rental arms, and I think things had to have kind of do a restart in the last couple of years, and that's kind of where we are. Now we're looking at 2023. Oh, yeah, where are all the stars? You know, every time a guy goes down and they're calling up a Leon, they're calling up Negosik, who I love, by the way, forever. I've known him for years. But, like, they're calling up certain guys, and I know fans are getting upset. You know, where's the star, or where's this, or where's the top five prospects? Where's the Alvarez to come up and pitch? They kind of have not been around, but they're kind of here now. Maybe not to the level of, like, who's going to replace Max and Verlander, but I could list a bunch of names up to, I've been saying it for all season, there's now up to five arms that might be, legit starting caliber major league pitchers. Now, they can't all probably pitch for the Mets in the same rotation, but they're pumping out upper minors now. They just weren't in the upper minors. So for the last few years, the Mets have been top-heavy in teenagers, was my little joke. And then now, two years later, here they are in AA, AAA, and they're starting to thrive. So it's like, hey, everyone, fans, by 2024, I'm not saying it's the... I've been calling it the joke, the baby Mets pitching version, but we may have a version of that starting next year. Now, that sounds like a perfect time to really delve deep into some of these individuals that are in the Mets player development system right now that you are excited about and all Mets fans should be excited about. So you're talking about some of those baby Mets 
on the pitching side. Why don't you talk about some of those individuals and what piques your interest about all of them? I mean, the, the one that usually comes to mind now, first and foremost, it's pretty much a consensus. Like, if anyone's going to be a projectable, quote-unquote, frontline starter, do they have one? Do they have one? If you want me to just not pick everyone and be like a biased kind of homer guy, uh, Blake Tidwell, Blake Tidwell, the righty from, uh, what, Tennessee? When he came out, he's one of those guys, he throws into the high upper 90s, and his stuff might be the most electric, to use a general kind of term. I think Blade Tidwell, who probably is the consensus top pitching prospect in the organization, so it's not just me saying it, but it seems like Blade Tidwell, among the others, might be like the guy, depending on, again, knock on wood, player development. Um, what I was talking to some people last year, hey, Blade Tidwell, he's having his cup of coffee in the pros, and he's kind of not doing a lot. And they were like, not worried about it. He's just kind of pitching as a pro. Don't think anything of what he's done in this whole second half of, you know, after the draft last year. It's just a guy being around throwing. They expected a lot of him. And now Blade Tidwell might be, you know, the guy. But again, I can name four others behind him, including Mike Vassell, the righty, who's also now in AAA, by the way. He's the guy, because you have Tidwell throwing, I don't even know if he could even get up to 97, 98 plus. Uh, Vassell can also throw upper 90s. He kind of throws it pretty easily, and he probably may have the most command of all of the top five guys that I can name in my head. Uh, his walk rate and his K rate have been pretty immaculate, especially this year before he went to AAA. I know he's been walking some guys in AAA, but I was hearing some things anyway for years about the different baseballs. And listen, I don't want to use an excuse, but the guy before AAA, his command has been immaculate. So you got Tidwell, you got Mike Vassell. These are all righties, by the way. I guess we're not developing the next uh, star as far as a pit. But behind them, I don't really know how to rank them the best. Uh, I like Dominic Hamill, uh, who's been being hyped up a lot as well because now he's also in double A. Hamill's another big strikeout guy who it seems like, again, he's trying to build up arm strength as everything else. But you got Hamill's a strikeout guy. Tidwell's a strikeout guy. Vassal's a high K rate with an extremely low walk rate guy coming all the way up into hitting AAA. And um, from there, we get the two wild cards, uh, maybe for different reasons. I like Tyler Stewart, who, by the way, is an absolute humongous human being. Oh, we met him. We know. We know. Yeah, we know. So Tyler Stewart is large and in charge. I, I guess he was more of a reliever in college. He showed up. And I know the Mets, again, talking player development, I learned about it even from a year or so ago when Carson Seymour got drafted. And the Mets were just like, we're very happy with what we saw in you in college as a reliever. You're going to start with us. And he just said, okay. Um, so there's been a change even in player development with the Mets kind of seeing guys. I see it on social media right now about maybe they've been getting some of those guys, maybe eating a lot of reliever innings, but they may see something in them to transition. Uh, so Tyler Stewart maybe is the newest poster child of that. A guy who you can, not a DeGrom of sorts, but I'm saying a guy who hasn't eaten a lot of innings uh, as an amateur. And maybe they're going to give it a shot with Tyler Stewart, who, by the way, shows up this year. Has he given up a run? Maybe like three of them all year? He hasn't allowed I mean, more than guy, two in any start. His ERA, he's pretty much no more than two the entire season. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. 
The other fifth guy, again, this is five guys who you can't all say they're going to be all-stars, but the fifth possible major league starting pitcher is Christian Scott. Um, Now, me, not a comp, comp, not a comp. Apparently, even talking to some Mets people, they were like, well, we were hoping he'd go on a tear like a McGill out of nowhere, like McGill McGill did like pre-debut. Christian Scott is a guy who got drafted. He's been pitching, but maybe not – entire seasons so whether it's minor injuries you know we never get into details christian scott has been a name again flamethrower he may be already eclipsing the development and what they were hoping he would get back maybe kind of implying it's been a slow road for a couple of years for christian scott but he might be one of the top he could for all i know he might have been a top 10 prospect this whole time but he's kind of been slowed for random reasons uh He might even be above a couple of the names that I listed if you want to try to rank them. Uh, So Christian Scott, a lot of fans too are like, I think Christian Scott could be above all of the rest. Even maybe, you know, know, fighting it out with Blade Tidwell as far as pure stuff and ability going forward in the future. And those are are great examples of you get the player and then how do you make the player better? You talked about Tyler Stewart and his slider, which has become a wipeout pitch, a primary pitch, a strikeout pitch. And Christian Scott, the velocity playing up now, since the Mets drafted him, got their hands on him, he's kind of been a different pitcher. So just two of the really good examples of how the Mets are taking what they have and getting the most out of guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's been happening. Again, talking player development, they are behind the scenes. I've been hearing some things about certain pitchers are being taught. Even one of my uh, player friends that I love to death, Marcel Renteria, mm-hmm who's kind of like the most unluckiest pitcher you can think of, losing two consecutive seasons to like random, non-true baseball injuries of sorts. And he's been shining right now. He hasn't even given up a run in, in certain like five, six outings. And he was crediting a guy like Jaeger for teaching and kind of working on a different sweeper. Different, that's the new term, I guess, for the season. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there's guys way behind the scenes doing those things in player development. And now the Mets are also doing it. You always just say, oh, some guy gets traded from the Mets, learns something, and he's shining, and everybody's upset. You know what? Maybe it's time for the Mets to be that organization as well. Hey, this guy comes in. He analyzes something with all the his data the Mets have. He's projecting out a different pitch, a different mechanic. Uh, guys are learning a lot all throughout the process. I know Mike Vassell from the AFL, the Arizona Fall League, they were trying to get certain things working with him. Uh, even to adjusting to higher-level bats, uh, even from AFLs, better than like a lower level from last year. These guys are developing pretty amazingly, and it, there's a lot to be credited way behind the scenes, even with rehab guys and trainers uh, and some of the coaches way back behind the scenes. We're talking to Ernest Dove, Ernest Dove, at Ernest Dove on Twitter. He's a freelance content provider that you can find on Sportswire Radio, and he writes for Max Mets. Now, Ernest, we were just talking about a lot of starting pitchers the Mets have. I want to talk a little bit about the bullpen and uh, get your opinion on some guys there. I want to bring up somebody, Grant Hartwig, somebody John and I were both really excited to get called up in seven appearances with the big league club. In in seven appearances with the big league club, he's got a point oh, he's got an under one. He's got an eighty seven, a point oh eight seven ERA in seven appearances. Phenomenal. Who are some other guys in the player development system right now that you think has stuff that could translate well to a major league roster? I mean, it just 
that's the thing with the Mets. You keep they seeing they're they're getting a lot of these kind of waiver wire type guys because they're they're seeing some of the upper minor stuff. Uh, I just mentioned Marcel Renneria, who's back down in Double A again, working his way back up. Triple A, you know, I did like Josh Walker. I know he's been getting a taste uh, of major leagues. And again, it's never easy for a guy like this where it's like, all right, you finally get promoted. You get in like one game. You better do it well or not. Um, I'm a big fan of Walker. Hardwig, I mean, what what is he, the, the reliever version of a Tyler Stewart who made it all the way to the majors? Uh, he came out, and it's just like I, I got to keep saying Hartwig like every week you know, on, on social media because he never gives up a run in the minors. Uh, so he was long overdue for it. I mean, as far as the other arms, it it's it's tough to say. I mean, a lot of my excitement is even the guys in the lower minors, even below um, to AAA. You see the guys that are being called up and down. I'm still a big Jose Buto fan to the end. I mean, I love his stuff. Uh, the command has been off and on since he got up, and now he's being sent back down. As far as relievers, I think we're still in the process of figuring out Who's the next wave? I'm a big Nate Lavender guy. Um, the K rate is like shockingly high. The concern is the walk rate. So what do we do about Nate Lavender? Like, is he is he some version of the left-handed uh, Jarese Familiar? Do we have to like you know figure out how the ball is moving and can we get the walk rate down? I mean, I think you know with command. I mean, I think Nate Lavender would have already been called up probably already. Um, I can't just say because of command he hasn't been called up yet, but he's one of the most interesting arms you could possibly think of at this point. Now that Hardwig is up, now that Walker has gotten a shot, I think one of the ones would be Nate Lavender. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on Eli Ankeny and, and Dylan Tabrock, who have both had a lot of success this season. Two guys towards the lower end of the system, but still uh, part of a really good Cyclones bullpen this season. Ankeny, when, when, I, tried to, when I tried to ask, okay, who gets credit for Eli? And uh, the Mets people were like, well, obviously major credit to the area scout who just found this kid. Um, and it was basically like one of the main things we loved about Eli was he's left-handed pitcher. So <laughs> it's just like when it, when it comes to the 20th round, it probably makes a lot of sense. So they have to give all the credit to the scout who believed in him and said, hey, and then had to go through the fact checkers. You don't, you know, these, these, there's a lot of fighting that goes on to get your guy. Mm -hmm. um, so first and foremost, a lot of credit. I don't want to name the names. Um, obviously, credit to the area scout and the uh, the, the checker uh, guy above him who vouched and like, yeah, we believe in Eli. And I, I he's a low minor, he's a low 90s uh, fastball, but they just love how he throws and it just, I, I think it took about a month and a half before a lefty got a hit off of him. I, no one was hitting him as a lefty the entire first half of the season. It finally took a promotion for him to give up a run or two. Uh, but you got to be excited about a lefty like this first and foremost. And as far as Dylan, another guy just acquired, what can I even know about? I just He's just another live arm at this point that you want to be excited about. Uh, that's really the main stuff I could even come with that guy. I just, it's just so funny when you think about how guys are drafted, how guys are assessed and evaluated. You have a guy in the 20th round where it's like, can we get a nice lefty? Can, let's Okay, we vouch. We believe in your scouting. And then here he is absolutely dominating from day one. You want to give some credit. I'm saying, can we credit the coaches? And they were like, oh, yeah, we can credit ourselves, but 
we feel he came into us already looking the part. Mm -hmm. So also credit to Eli Acne because it's not something where they had to like fix him and change him a bunch. My understanding is this is how he came in um, and the belief is there and now he's a professional and he's been off and running ever since. Why don't we talk a little bit about the PSL Mets right now? We really enjoy talking about both Florida teams, the FCL Mets and the P PSL Mets. Um, Want to get your opinion on who you think uh, you've been the most impressed by from that PSL team this year? I mean, I do want to talk about the obvious, just based on certain reasons. Um, the whole thing about checking box scores is Jet Williams hitting like 180 for like a month and a half and two months. And I don't want to discount that. I talked to the, some of the Mets people and they're like, yeah, we wish the average was up higher. Uh, but everything I'm being told from multiple people is Jet Williams, his like, you can't call him Nimmo, but he his plate discipline, his reaction to pitches, or I don't know how you see the pitches and see the spins. They said he is pretty amazing. Like he's a strike zone savant mm -hmm. uh, as a 19-year-old. So I wanted to basically go off that more than anything. He has speed. He's stealing bases. Uh, it looks like defensively, I know he's making some errors at shortstop. I'm not even aware of any errors yet in center field because they've been transitioning him out there in center field. But Jet Williams plate discipline. I mean, you might as well at least pretend to think sky high and think of him as the right-handed Nimmo, maybe with some pop as well, based on how he does the plate discipline. And then on the other, I could also, in a way, say the same thing about Jacob Reimer, uh, another teenager who I'm told is all about plate discipline as well, which is why their walk rates are both over 400 on base percentage. Mm -hmm. As 19-year-olds, minor leagues are minor leagues, but you're 19 years old in low A, and you have a four-something uh, over a 400 on base percentage. You're walking <laughs> a lot. They're seeing pitches well, basically. Um, you can't really talk a lot about power, especially in the Florida State League. I don't know. It's like 500 degrees out there. The wind is not always blowing. Uh the park that St. Lucie is like, what, it's like 407 with a huge wall. Like, you're not really hitting them out. It's more about triples, by the way. If you have a lot of triples and you're on the St. Lucie Mets, slow down. Because when you hit that ball down right field, you're getting a triple no matter what. So uh, I, can, I can make comments about triples, but home runs, not easy to do in that ballpark. So Jed Williams, Jacob Reimer, plate discipline kind of masters of sorts based on their age. I'm really excited. Uh the main wild card is with is, uh, Wilfredo Lara. I never heard of this young man. Uh, he started. He came out hitting about 400 for a week and a half, and I started asking around, uh, ask one of the hitting coaches in the Mets organization. I'm like, who, what, when, where, why? And the main thing I told about Lara was like, we think he's legit. He was a late IFA signing, so he wasn't one of those 16-year-old signs. He signed at an older age. But they feel he's absolutely legit. Uh, I was told even before he started doing it that, by the way, he's going to play literally everywhere. He's going to play not pitcher and not catcher. So, and sure enough, I think he's up to about six positions. I think he's everywhere except those two in shortstop. But they said Wilfredo Laura is going to hit. We, we like his hit tool. We think he can keep going at it. We think his power will show. And we think he has speed. So you get power, speed. Uh, and the hit tool, I don't know about averages or how to project it, but they feel they really, really have something in Laura, who, again, he's, a, he's an absolute wild card based on pedigree or lack thereof only because he wasn't signed at 16. 
So that could be like the version of an acne coming out of nowhere late. Um, it's going to be pretty fun to see him. And I have some other favorites, but as far as that level, uh, Laura might be legit. Yeah, Laura now leading the uh, St. Lucie Mets with 10 home runs this season, entered the year with three professional home runs in his career. So definitely one of the bigger breakout stars, especially amongst the St. Lucie Mets. How about the FCL Mets? They also play their games in Port St. Lucie in the backfields there. Who are some guys that you really have uh, high opinions of that currently are with the FCL Mets? I mean, you got the bonus babies, uh, the IFA uh, signings. I know Jesus Baez has started off really slow. But anytime I ask about Jesus Baez, I even asked this week, hey, who can I talk about? Who can I hype up really, you know, at certain levels without naming an affiliate? And they mentioned Baez in the first group because they still believe in the overall talent of Baez. Like they think he's legit. Um, his batting average is low, but I think July, he has a hit every game in July, uh, last I checked. So Jesus Baez could be pretty incredible. Uh, as far as guys like Simon Juan and Willie Fennis, they're starting off really slow. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of fans are getting worried because you got guys that are going from DSL to here. They didn't really shine uh, in DSL. They're not shining right now. So they're still a work in progress. So I can't, you know, what's the projections on a Simon Juan and a Willie Fennis? Work in progress. Yeah. They still aren't there yet. We're not seeing the true development and the shining of everything being put together. As far as Jesus Baez, it sounds like he's already trending upward uh, and there's already excitement there. The other one would be Morabito, Nick Morabito. Uh, my main thing was people have been asking me, like, why is it Morabito in St. Lucie? Uh, Jet Williams is there, and I think Morabito is a little bit older than Jet Williams, but my understanding was that Morabito was going to take more time uh, than, a, than a Jet Williams, who, by the way, is also starting off slow anyway, right? So there we are. But uh, my understanding of Morabito is that all of the tools are there. He's one of those guys, they just call him tools. And he's right. an athlete. Again, this is two years running of trying to get athletes. So they feel that Morabito has a lot of the tools. They also felt you, you can't expect him to just, he wasn't going to show up in the FCL and hit 350 and hit home runs. So it doesn't mean ignore it, but they're still excited about the what they have in general with Morabito. But it may take, wait out the entire season. I'm not even sure if I'll see him in St. Lucie in Loe. He may spend the whole year just kind of getting through all the motions in FCL, unless, you know, end of year sometimes, those games get chaotic in St. Lucie, especially now that they've moved the teams and FCL's right. You'll see most random guys the last week or two getting on. It's like spring training at the end of the St. Lucie season when guys are just on the field out of nowhere that they're allowed, they're on the roster of sorts. I don't know if Morabito will make a promotion, but... I do believe he's going to start the trend upward. It just it was going to take longer than a Rhymer, longer than a Jet Williams, is my understanding. Speaking on spring training, uh, you know, John and I have been there. John, a lot more than me. This was my first year there. We were wondering, what are some tips you have for people when they go to spring training? Like, what are some good restaurants to go to in PSL? What are some good ways to kind of like pass the time when you're not at the ballpark? I mean, I think all you're really supposed to do is go to Duffy's and just hang out. No, really. no, um, Ernest. No, no. Come on, man. There's way better say, places than think. that. <laughs> I mean, that there's some really good uh, – there's a Mexican spot along the road. When you're in San Lucie, you, you kind of just stick to the road, really. You just kind of hit the road where it says turn here and there's a stadium and just pick a spot. There's a really good Mexican place with really great staff. 
Pueblo Viejas. Jesus, Duffy's, you're going to run into players. You know, shh. I mean, you're going to, you know, there's a lot going on at Duffy's. So you got to, you got to go bowling. I mean, if you want to, you know, slow down on certain eating and drinking, though, if you want to do the bowling, be careful. Uh, you know, you want to come home with your shoes and not the bowling shoes, but yeah. uh, you, you got to do it. I know there's a kind of a out of the nowhere spot if you want to be fancy and drink some wine. Maybe we can, you know, talk about it off air. You want to find that little, boutique-ish kind of like all right there's a vibe here and i can just drink some wine and loose i think i know but, what you're talking about i think i know what you're talking but, about but i you know the, i gotta stick to the main ones man i'm a i'm a veteran of duffy's and the burgers and the staring at the bowling and um you could be part of certain things that go down at duffy's they have certain kind of shows and they'll kind of zoom in you might be there all of a sudden sny has got the cameras rolling so it's kind of like the spot you probably are known for going to there, honestly. All right. So that brings me to another question, kind of off the cuff. Name a guy or two, maybe there's three, that you saw from a very young age, whether it was at St. Lucie, maybe up in Jupiter. But you go to these games, you're looking, you're watching, you're trying to see who are diamonds in the rough. Someone that you saw that you were like, this could be a guy here. And then he turned out to have a major league career. And Ernest can kind of say, I kind of discovered this guy. Who are some guys that you uh, take pride in, in finding? Well, I mean, obviously, it's always going to be the Mets-centric. I yep. haven't spent that much time. Um, although, was it Yuri Perret? Yuri uh, from the Marlins? Yes. Yep. I, 18 years old, pumping 97 opening day a few years ago against St. Lucie. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> That'll play. <laughs> there's no reason to eat. You already know. Uh, as far as the Mets, um, for me, the obvious one was Michael Conforto. And I know... I remember a game, he went 0 for 5, and I tweeted out and I reported, Michael Conforto is the most real that of a legit prospect and future major leaguer, and I'm saying it off of his 0 for 5 uh, because he pounded all five pitches like into the outfield. They just they all end up getting caught or whatever. Uh, I, there was that. I had my Luis Guillaume obsession, okay. uh, which, by the way, obviously he made it to the majors. My favorite was my little side story because I was sitting right behind the plate, and uh, I think that was a ground ball down the line. It went fair. The umpire, they only have two umpires. They're like, ah, oh, foul ball. I got mad. Uh, they called it foul, and the guy got out. And then the guy on deck, I was just like, um, I made some kind of joke. I'm like, dude, you better hit it a certain way, otherwise it's not going to be called fair. And he started laughing, and the guy in, in that spot was Jeff McNeil. Oh, wow. Um, so I did make Jeff McNeil laugh while he was on deck. Uh, making jokes about the umpire. And my thing with Jeff McNeil, I'm like, you're such a cute little guy because he was like a buck 30, it looked like. Um, <laughs> I even interviewed him later. He's like, dude, can you pick a picture that makes me look heavier? And I'm like, yeah, we." he found a photo that was like more filling. I, To be fair, I'm not going to just pat myself on the back. I was watching McNeil just drop the ball anywhere and everywhere opposite he was bunting for hits. He was plugging it. I said, Jeff McNeil is a major league baseball player. But not to overcredit myself, I thought he would be like a super utility guy and be amazing. I didn't realize he'd grow up and be an all-star. Uh, the other guy was pretty much 19-year-old Andres Jimenez. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought Andres Jimenez. I love the idea of Rosario. I just thought Andres, 19-year-old Andres Jimenez in St. Lucie, it's a major league baseball player on the field as a teenager. His defense was insane. 
I just thought Andres Jimenez was going to be what he started becoming uh, in the majors. I mean, you know, the other guys, I, I had a lot of excitement for Dom, who slowed down. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to, is there any really ones that I can credit myself? Really, my poster one is going to have to really be more about Jeff McNeil, uh, Michael Conforto, depending on how people feel about him now. I just was really excited about him. Um, now it's just more about the the newer age guys. I mean, I, I did really like Chris Flexen. I thought he would be legit, not a front-line guy, but I was like, Chris Flexen's going to be a good starter in the majors. Um, he had a good run. Mm-hmm. So I, I those are some of the guys I could think of that at least that I'm, I'm, I'm excited that they made it. Um, I know there are some that had more injury based. Now that's why they haven't succeeded in the majors. So I won't even name them. It's just, I guess those are the main guys that kind of talk about them right now off the top of my head. That's awesome. And McNeil is such a good example of Vito and I always say this um, player development's not linear. You know, these guys are not grown in labs. They all take their own path to the major league. Some of them are older, some of them are younger. You see what Francisco Alvarez is doing. He's probably the exception, not the rule. You see a guy like Jeff McNeil, who came up to the major leagues at a little bit of an older age, but still became the first Met to ever win the batting title in Major League Baseball. So they're all different. They all have their own path. And it's so great, especially when you can you can follow that path from the minor leagues all the way up to the major leagues. Uh, a couple more guys I want to ask you about. Um, going back to St. Lucie, a trio of pitchers. It's Douglas Oriana, Lionel Ovias, and Saul Garcia. What do you have on those three? And here's the thing about what's going on in St. Lucie, like I said or alluded to, there's a lot of guys that, you know, I don't know where they would have been if they were rookie leagues, if they were like those leagues like Kingsport, right. Brooklyn before IA. Some of these guys may have been pitching there right now. So they're kind of being rushed and pushed. But there's a lot of high K rates going on, but then a lot of mechanics and command stuff that everyone's trying to work out the kinks in the middle of games in low A, which is pretty still a pretty high level at this point especially when they took away the affiliates. I think Ovalis is one of those guys. So we're talking about a 20-year-old. Um, I think some of the stuff is we're trying to work on more put-away pitches. Uh, he's a, a high K-rate guy. But again, for his career, his career opponents are hitting 199 in his short career. So no one's really hitting him. Uh, it's just more, and he's, he's pitching really well. He's a really, really good prospect. Again, the command, working on the consistency. Uh, same thing for Saul Garcia, who's a hard thrower. Sounds like he just throws really hard, uh, which I guess to me, use a nice term of life on the ball. Uh, he's another high K-rate guy for Saul Garcia. So he's another guy, I believe he's also 20, high K-rate, throws really hard. So we got these two guys, you know, succeeding a lot in certain statistics, opponents average, everything else. Um, but we still have to kind of sort everything else out. What's the mix like? Um, the mix of pitches, how do you mix it enough? Are you getting the strikeout quick enough? Because without the quick enough strikeouts, now you're walking, guys. Uh, these guys are still kind of works in progress, but high K rates is a great place to start, and low opponent batting average is a good place to go. Um, as far as I think, I believe it's called Oreo, I guess uh, Douglas Oriana, again, two, uh, really low 200 opponent batting average. He seems to be like maybe a version of the more polished kind of guy as far as his mix of pitches and how he does it. Um, so he, he throws a lot at you. Even at a young age, it's not like fastball and then a off-speed, fastball, off-speed. Uh, it looks like he's gonna, he knows how to mix it well during the at-bats. So he might be a version of the a really good amongst those group of three. 
So I think Ariana is going to be really good. The other guy that I really like, on a, even a better, a higher level of mixing it up, is uh, Joelme Ramirez. Um, I've seen him pitch. Uh, it, it, it seems like he sits a lot of low 90s, but he can get it to 95 in a given game. Um, I like the way he pitches everywhere. So when he's when he's pitching, he's hitting you with different uh, mix of pitches, and he's going up, he's going down, he's changing your kind of uh, your view of things. So that's kind of like one of those major league talk type things where he's getting you up and down all over the plate, also in the zone. I think Ramirez could be a really good guy as far as how he does his fastball placement um, around the zone as well. So, I mean, we're talking four guys around that age, 19, 20-ish range, um, that the the stuff is there, the high K rate is there as far as the box scores. Uh, as far as projections in future, you got to consider all four of them I'm not even sure if any of them will get promoted during the year. I mean, it's going to be a long process for some of these guys, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure. Maybe a Joel May, maybe that would be the guy that I just like so much. Maybe he gets promoted um, based on the overall stuff that I was enjoying and seeing. I just think the other guys are still kind of young and in the process. But again, future starters, future relievers, I just I think all four of these arms – are guys that you may still hear about in high A and double A and then kind of go from there. As we move towards the end of this conversation, we just want to know what are some things you're looking for for the rest of the season? I said even during the offseason, I was saying, hey, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be the year of the pitchers. Uh, and I, there you go. There's my pat myself on the back, I guess. Right. I was saying from like November, I was like, as far as prospects, I think it's going to be the year of the pitcher in 2023. I was seeing more of an influx in those guys getting a little bit older uh, that would show up more uh, in the projections and show up more on the list and show up more at the higher levels and kind of mature. I want to hopefully continue to see the year of the pitcher. I don't now the thing is how many guys may get capped because of innings. I don't really know. I do know that Mike Vassell, when he got promoted to AAA, they were already saying there's going to be a cap going on for a while. So you got him maybe on a cap. Tyler Stewart, who as far as I know, he's pretty much pitched an entire season compared to last year already. Yep. So, you know, you ate those innings. What I want to see in the second half is, I mean, it's easy to say, can you improve command in the second half? I want to see the command from guys like Tidwell and Hamill. I think Tidwell has already been starting to progress in his outings. Just by even saying seven innings, six innings, seven innings plus, even saying that all together says that the command's been improving for Titwell. Uh, the same for Hamill. Can we see less of the three-inning outings and more of the 5-6 unless they're starting to lower it down? So we might start looking out for any kind of piggybacking going on at the end of the year. But I want to see some improved command, um, whether it also means in the strike zones and in the box scores for like see how things are going with the walk rates. Uh, in the second half, I mean, I want to kind of be anxious and antsy seeing a guy like Jed Williams kind of light up the slash lines in the second half. Uh, I'm excited to see what him and Laura are going to do over, you know, maybe a hundred game span. Uh, as far as Jacob Reimer, he's already kind of excelling in every area. Yep. If I were to see him, like, can he start maybe showing more power even in the Florida state league towards the end of the year, since he's excelling so much already at this point. So I want to see some of those, the walk rates dropping for the uh, the high end prospects, and I want to see if some of the young bats, like a 
Jet Williams, Reimer, and Laura, do they even progress higher if they even stay in low A? If you stay there all year, do you start to dominate? Even like a Jimenez and a Rosario in years past, they were okay. And then in the next year, their batting averages were like 350. So can they jump, you know, in season in the second half? Those are some of the things I'm looking for. And I also want to see guys be tested. I want to see Tyler Stewart be tested in double A. I want to definitely see Paul Gervais, uh, the, the really tall 6'10 reliever. I want to see Paul Gervais in the upper minors. Um, he's pretty much embarrassing A-ball. And I was hearing from early in the, in the spring, tell me about Paul Gervais. He's a monster. Can he get his command of the um, the secondary stuff together? So that was the thing that he's being developed was the breaking ball, the fastball. He's good to go. Um, was the command of the breaking ball going to be that combo that he needed? And I want to see those two guys get tested. I don't know how much more they can jump my Eli Ankney, but uh, I hope he maybe continues to just have a sub-2 ERA and be the living legend that I'm calling him all year so far. Well, Ernest, thanks so much for joining us today. You can follow Ernest Dove on Twitter, at Ernest Dove. He's a freelance content provider. You can find him on Sportswire Radio, and he writes for Max Metz. And obviously, as you saw right here, it's just uh, an incredible wealth of information you can get from following Ernest. Thank you so much again, Ernest, and uh, we'll see you all in the future.